Welcome to The Details with Elliot Connie and Adam Frower. This is a podcast where we examine the intersection between solution-focused brief therapy and current topics going on in the world. And we do this because we genuinely want the world to be a better place. So enjoy and come examine the details with us. Okay, so Adam, the, the big thing happening now these days is we're clearly in this weird pandemic where the life is world is crazy and everything's going nuts. And the big thing going on right now is back to school and parents having to make decisions about how do I do this and what do I do? And then like local governments and districts are trying to sort out what they're doing and how they're going to handle the position that kids are in and the position that's, that teachers are in and all that kind of stuff. So as a parent, I think you should kind of start off first because I don't have any children. I have one opinion that I think I'd like to share here, but I think I'd like to start off by saying if you, this is a decision you have to make, like you and your, your wife and family, this has a direct impact on you. So I want to hear what your thoughts are about how to handle back to school in this pandemic world and, and what you see happening in the meet, like all of it. And then I want to share what I, th- I, I literally just have one opinion that I want to share about this topic. But I think as the only parent here, I'd like to hear your thoughts first. Um, yeah, well, I guess I should preface by saying my opinion is probably a little bit biased. And mostly I would say that's the reason for that is because um, as many of you know, um, my wife is a recent cancer survivor. And so the decision that we are making as a family is very different than I think many other completely healthy families. They're considering this in a very different way than we are. So I should probably put that out there first. But I think then I guess some additional background information for those of you who don't know, um, as Elliot alluded to, we have three children who are aged 9, 12, and 15. So we have one child in elementary school, we have one child in middle school, and we have one child in high school. So we kind of run the gamut of the considerations. So one of the things that I would say is because my wife is immunocompromised, the decision for us was probably easier than for many people. We have erred on the side of caution. The, I guess the other piece of information that I should give to you is that I live in Gwinnett County in Georgia, which is all over the news recently. We're just getting ready to go back. And recently, you know, CNN published a story where they said 260 teachers who went back to get ready for school were either diagnosed as positive or were exposed to somebody who was diagnosed. So we're kind of at the epicenter of of all of this. (laughs) And so originally our school district gave families the option of choosing whether to go back in person or to do fully online. And again, because of our personal situation, we chose to go fully online. And then a couple of weeks later, then the school district came back and said, actually, we're going to make everybody begin in an online way. So Even in our world, things have kind of constantly been changing. And I think that's one of the things that's really important to hold on to is that much of this basically is creating uncertainty for people. And I think sometimes when there's uncertainty, people, one, make decisions that they might not have made otherwise. I think that it also makes us, in in times of uncertainty, it makes us more critical of other people and other people's decisions. And so I think that... One of the things that I have tried to do throughout this process is to say, we're going to make a decision that's right and good for our family, and other people can make decisions that they feel are right and good for them. And so I think with all of that as the backdrop, um, (laughs) which I know is a lot of backdrop, 
I would say my personal opinion on the matter is I don't understand why we're trying to rush to put kids back in school. I know that some of the people have said it's not good for children's mental health. It's not good for children's social lives. It's not good for educational purposes. It's going to put children behind. But I think all of those things in essence are now challenges that we have to figure out as adults. We have to help our children to navigate this process. And I don't think that necessarily putting them back in physical harm's way is worth it. And that really the challenge should be for us, how do we address those other issues without putting our children in physical harm? So I think one of the things, particularly obviously because we're mental health professionals, how do we help our children to navigate this mental health challenge. I think that's something, and obviously I think maybe you and I can get into the beginnings of that, but I think we need to be thinking about how do we how do we address those things without jeopardizing the physical health of our children? Completely agree, completely agree. So first of all, you brought up mental health and we are mental health professionals. And I wanna say very, very clearly, I have a really strong opinion about this, which I'll get into in a second. Before I express that opinion, I am in no way downplaying or diminishing the mental health impact of what we're going through. In fact, even myself, as a 43-year-old adult, I'm struggling with just being stuck in the house all of the time. And even when I do allow myself to venture out, it is clearly a different world, and in some cases, like an unsafe different world. So even as an adult, I acknowledge and recognize that I am experiencing mental health consequences for the world that we currently live in. And I know that children are as well. And I think there are ways that we can address the mental health challenges that people are being faced with right now. And we've got to come up with a better way other than putting people in physical harm's way. Because the one point that I've been saying I want to make is as I sit and watch what is going on in the world, we were we went on a long drive yesterday and we drove by an athletic field that had a bunch of kids playing football. And I grew up playing football like and, and not just playing football they were there you could tell they were all in uniforms they were there for school practice so right. it's not like a bunch of kids got together to play football exactly right they it was were a, there for school it was a school functioned athletic practice event and i don't know how many kids were on that field 30 i mean it was a it was a large number of kids and i cannot tell you how good athletics has been in my life and as a child athletics were probably the most robust thing in my life that saved my mental health. But I still don't think those kids should have been anywhere near an, an athletic field in our current environment. And by the way, that, that field that we saw, um, if we weren't in Georgia, we were close to it, which is like the epicenter currently of outbreaks. So not only are these kids like 30 of them in one place at one time, football is a very contact sport. So they're touching, rubbing, hitting each other, sweating on each other, spitting on each other, like all that stuff. It's happening in like the coronavirus epicenter. There's gotta be a way that we can address those mental health issues that don't put our children in harm's way. But here's the hard fact, I think. This is like, this should be the non-negotiable. This should be the line that we don't move. And that is we need as a society and as a culture to cherish life more. So like, if we have a child and they're experiencing mental health issues, right? They're anxious. They are feeling isolated because they don't have access to their friends and peer groups. If they are feeling depressed because they're stuck in the house, isolated away from the activities that bring them joy. If they fall behind in school and their learning is delayed, 
all of that is fixable. Like I can fix anxiety. I can fix depression. We can deal with feeling isolated. Let's say this goes on for like a whole year and you skip it, you miss a year. And the consequence is instead of graduating from high school at 18, you graduated from high school at 19 or 20. Like all of that is addressable. We can deal with all of that. The one thing that is not recoverable or that is not deal withable is death. Some kid somewhere is going to die. And some kid, some teacher somewhere is going to die. And if we go back to school in unison as a country and one person loses their life, that was too high of a price to pay because life is that precious. Life is that rare. I'm someone with a weak stomach. And I can remember in, in undergrad, I took like the like child development class, like very first like child development class. And obviously, if you're going to study child development, you, one of the things you study is inception, like how, how children are created. And they had this video that we watched about like the sperm swimming through the thing and good, good, arriving at the egg and all this stuff. And I'm sitting in the back of the room, like trying not to vomit. Then it was a real classy video, right? I shouldn't joke about it. It was a real classy video about, you know, how life is created. And they, I remember, I'll never forget, like, so the sperm swims through and then there's like a chemical released by the egg and the sperm follows that chemical and fertilizes the egg. And then once the egg is fertilized, the egg releases another chemical that like kills all of the other sperm so that the one sperm that successfully got through into the egg and fertilized it, there's no other sperm that would do that. So now we have this and then the, the egg is released and it floats down this tube and then sticks to this wall. And if it doesn't stick to the wall, then there's no baby. And I remember watching this video and thinking, in order for a life to happen, 15 miracles have to happen in order for life to be created. So that means every person walking around on the planet is the result of multiple miracles that have to happen in a very specific sequence. And I think we take for granted because there's a lot of life around that like life is not cherishable. Like there are tons of kids, so birthing children is not easy. That's not true. Because if you think about it, like, and forget things like intentional abortion, which obviously is a hot topic, whatever. How many times has someone had a fertilized egg that floated down that little tube, but did not stick to the wall, and then the life was not created? Like that must happen millions of times. What we see is the end result of like the child and the whatever. So we, we, we don't realize that every single person walking around the planet is not just a miracle, but is like the result of multiple miracles happening in a very specific set of conditions. And then we do things like, so what, go back to school. I've seen people say, we'll only lose a few kids. Somebody said like, kids are not super spreaders, so most of them will be safe. But I'm literally saying, if everyone, and, and I'm, I'm in America, I'm from the United States, so I'm just going to talk about the United States for a second. But if everyone in the United States went back to school on time this fall, so we literally have, I don't know, hundreds of millions of kids going to school, and one child loses his life, I passionately believe that that is too many. That is too many. And we have to figure out a way to address these issues that we are all facing, including me, I'm a 43 year old adult, like I'm facing these things too, that doesn't come with such a high price. Now, as 
mental health professionals and in particularly solution focused mental health professionals, we are constantly talking about two things. Number one is outcomes. And number two is miracles. Like we're, we're always talking about this like preferred future thing. Let's take a child, for example, and let's call this child Matthew. So let's say Matthew wanted to become a doctor. So that's the outcome that Matthew wants from his life. Matthew's like a 12 year old boy and he wants to become a doctor. And then the pandemic happens. The pandemic doesn't remove the outcome. Matthew can still become a doctor. It just might mean you graduated 19 instead of 18. Or it just might mean you're going to do a year and a half of that in online schooling at home. Or it just might mean you're going to have a little bit of anxiety and social stress because you weren't around your peer group for a period of time. But Matthew cannot become a doctor if we let Matthew die. Like if we send Matthew to school and he gets coronavirus and dies, he cannot become a doctor. I think you raised some really, really important things. And I think one of the things is this idea about, in essence, each one of us being a miracle. And I think that, uh, and you talked about the you know, kind of the miracle of conception, that, that series of miracles continues, right? Being the parent of three children, it's a miracle that at least I considered it a miracle when they learn to sleep through the night, right? And it's a miracle when they learn to tie their shoes and it's a miracle when they begin to ride a bike. And I think sometimes we overlook those everyday miracles. Right. Um, but I think that that, in, in essence, what you're saying is there's a lot more miracles that could be coming that if we lose them, we would miss out on. Right. right. And I think we need to get these kids back into school so that their mental health doesn't suffer, so their social skills don't suffer or whatever. And I think what this idea of miracles also produces is we need to believe enough in the miracle of our children that we believe that those miracles can continue. So if their mental health does suffer, a miracle that could happen is that they could learn resilience. A miracle that could happen is oh, yeah, that yeah. they are more able to cope with other difficult things that will inevitably come their way throughout life. So the miracle of the pandemic might be that they get stronger, that they get better. So I think that's one component of this is that, yes, there might be a temporary fallback or slideback, but a miracle might happen where they get even more resilient or even more able to deal with hardship or even better at making friends and keeping friends because now they understand the value of having friends and associating with other people. Right. And so I think that that idea of a miracle, we're in, the, we're in the making of future miracles. And I think we as parents have a real influence on our children that, like you're saying, despite the fact that we might be managing and dealing with hardships and challenges and those kinds of things, we can be very intentional with our children and we can have conversations with them about why we're making the choices that we're making, why we're not sending them back to school. We can make very deliberate decisions with our children to say, so how do you want to be social? How do you want to associate with your friends and your family members in this time where you can't do it in the traditional way. I live really far away from my parents. This is a great opportunity for my children to develop a relationship with their grandparents in a way that they couldn't have if they're in school and if they're in extracurricular activities, my children are swimmers, right? They have swim practice every single day. Um, that isn't happening. 
So we can use that time to connect with their grandparents in a way that they couldn't have connected beforehand, right? We could Zoom every single day if we wanted to. We could do family history interviews with my parents and say, tell us about when you were kids and what were you dealing with and how did you become the kind of people that you are today? So we can teach our children through really deliberate actions how to be better prepared for other things that are gonna come their way in the midst of this one. It's an unprecedented time. None of us have been able, have ever experienced this before, so we're learning. But if we're deliberate, we can be deliberate about creating miracles. I love the word deliberate, because what I think makes solution-focused brief therapy so effective and so dynamic is a client comes into the office and they're so distracted by problems, symptoms, life. And we have a conversation that is specifically honed in on a very particular outcome or set of processes. Just that alone, like that in and of itself provides clarity and, and like that in and of itself leads towards change. Mm. So if I come to your office and I'm distracted by depression, anxiety, addiction, whatever, and you have a conversation with me that kind of reminds me like who I am and what I am hoping to achieve, that leads towards change. What I'm scared about is like, we have these kids, which are like little mini outcomes running around. And we are distracting because we're making these decisions for like, because it's good for the economy or like, if we keep like, one of my favorite quotes is the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Mm. So the main thing needs to be turning these little people into really effective big people. And we have proven through history that we can get through hard things. Like an entire generation got through World War II, right? An entire generation dealt with the Great Depression. An entire generation dealt with previous pandemics. And they were still able to turn little people into effective big people. And I think we are prioritizing the wrong thing. We are forgetting that like people can get through hard things. I think one of the biggest mistakes that happened in this pandemic is like we didn't just shut down as a globe. When this happened, no one go outside and do anything for about a month and we'll be all right. We didn't do that. Like we're like, we need to do this for the economy and we need to do this for the whatever. And like the main thing has always got to be the main thing. And I can't for the life of me figure out why the main thing isn't life because it's the only thing that is not replaceable. Like when Elliot Connie is dead and gone, he's dead and gone. Like there won't be another one. There's no like do over. There's no second chance. There's no like, you're not going to go to the Elliot Connie tree and pick another one. Like it's gone. And I, and I, it's crazy to me that we're just kind of like, we've only lost this percentage of people. Or if we send the kids back to school, it'll only be this level of loss. One is too damn many. Like we can't do this. Like this is crazy to me. We can get through hard things, we know that. We can manage through hard things, we know that. We can parent through hard things, we know that. But we can't say these things that are just not true. Like kids who are isolated, that's not true. I know somebody who's growing up on a farm right now, perfectly fine. I know someone who's raising her children on a farm, perfectly fine. I know lots of people who went through homeschool, perfectly fine. Like it's not easy, but it's manageable. And it's certainly more manageable than death. I think oftentimes too, we are, we're making decisions because we think that it's uh, important for the adults, right? So I know 
one of the things that I've been thinking about too is, right, what about those people who are near poverty, who are single parent households, who are dependent on their children going to school because they need to work three jobs, right? And and obviously that's a, such a horrible, hard decision to make of, do I send my children to school or do I try to manage the way that I need to manage in order, like you said, to economically survive. I think, again, one of the things that's really, really important is to say the economy, all of those things, they aren't as important as those children, as that particular family. Um, I, I would even go a step further. Those things are not more important than one child. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like one singular human being, one singular human life trumps all of that. Right. I think, again, there if we keep the main thing the main thing, then we, then we get to start saying, so how do we as a culture, how do we as a community pull together to help that family, to help those particular children, right? We, we live, especially here in the United States, we live in a very wealthy country. Um, it, it, we're trying to stimulate the economy, but our economy is quite robust. We could, if we really value life, if we really value containing this, we could pull together and support that family. And so I think that's the other thing that we really need to be doing is not just saying, how do we get these kids back to school? But we need to be saying, how do we help these families so that when it's time to go back to school, these children are in a place where they can actually learn. It's easy to pin this decision on the pandemic, but I think that there are larger issues here that influence this particular decision. And I think we as a community need to pull together to say, how do we make it equally viable for each child to be able to remain healthy in the midst of all of it? It's, it's just such an interesting thing on where we are right now, right? And I think we always end this in our episodes by asking people to do something. And I think what I'd like to ask people to do this time is just like cherish the things in your life that are not replaceable. And the only thing I can think of, there's only two that I can think of that are not replaceable. And, and as we wrap up this episode, I wanna ask you to cherish these two things. Every listener, I'd like to ask you to cherish these two things. The first one is time because you can never get another second of life back. So you should be doing things that bring you and your loved ones joy and happiness. So cherish the time you have in your life. The second thing that I would like to invite everybody to do is cherish just life. And I think those things, those things work hand in hand. Like you spend time with the people in your life that matter. You know, we can't do that if we are sending gobs of kids and it's not, it's just, it's not just about the kids. Uh, teachers, janitorial staff, nursing staff, admin staff, like it is an unbelievable level of exposure. And we need to limit that. And, and I will wrap up by saying in America, professional sports are demonstrating that it works. Because there, there's one professional sport, uh, the National Basketball Association, the NBA, where they have put people in an environment where the disease does not exist, right? They refer to it as the bubble. And they did enough testing to like now everybody inside the bubble it is free of this disease and they're able to play and be wonderful and nothing happens. When someone leaves the bubble, they have to go through a two-week quarantine process because they're not willing to bring the disease into the bubble. 
And then there's another sport where they did not cherish life in the same way. And those sports have rampant outbreaks. Two teams, half of the entire team tested positive for coronavirus. So people, we know how to do this. And all these people say masks don't work and social distancing doesn't matter. We know that it in fact does because we have, we have examples of it working right here. But we have to cherish life. Put on the damn mask. Stay away from people for a period of time. And then when we get on the other side of this, we can fix the ripple effect that will have been there. But we can only fix the ripples where people are still alive. So with that, thank you guys for listening.